Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Go For It. I am your host, Paul Gannon. For the next 90 minutes, we're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you'll get a heavy dose of my opinion. You have an opinion number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show, blocktalkradio.com slash pecan. Send messages to the show on Twitter at go for it Hit us up here on this chat room here. Locked and loaded. Blogtalkradio.com slash speaking. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by New York Jets wide receiver Jeremy Curley. He's going to be joining us. Get his take on the playoffs. Also get his take on uh, the Jets season, his season, and, and what's next for Jeremy Curley. Also, we're going to talk to one of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit series, The Haves and the Have-Nots, actor Aaron O'Connell will be joining us. We're going to talk to Aaron about the show, talk to Aaron about a little football. Aaron played football, so we're going to talk to him about that, talk to him about the show. Should be a good old time. Let's get right down to it. And as we go throughout the course of this 90 minutes, we're going to talk NFL playoffs, who gets it done this weekend, who doesn't, talk about some of these coaching moves that went down this weekend, also, we have Matt Barnes, Derek Fisher, getting back together again. Going to be in the same. They're, they're going to be in the same area code. They're going to be in the same arena. So we're going to talk about that as well. But let's start with the the NFL playoffs. Let's start more specifically what we saw Saturday night. I mean, Saturday afternoon you had the Chiefs and the Texans, and, and what we saw there was just a, a dominating performance by the Kansas City Chiefs, and it came down to what I talked about. And what I talked about on this particular show last week was, look, the defenses are good on both sides, but to me it came down to quarterback playing. What quarterback uh, would be the quarterback who made the least amount of mistakes? And that quarterback was Alex Smith. He played well. He played big. He, he was decent. He was solid. He got the job done last week for the Kansas City Chiefs. And Brian Hoyer, he was awful. First, first playoff start, and it showed. I mean, he, he was not very good. And, you know, because – he was not very good, his team lost. I mean, he, he was an interception machine, four picks. I mean, it, it was just an embarrassing, embarrassing performance by Brian Hoyer, and, and he brought absolutely positively nothing to the table last week. I mean, he was awful. And, you know, he, he was an interception machine. And it's one of the reasons his team lost 30 to nothing. I mean, they, they lost 30 to nothing because their quarterback could do absolutely nothing. The quarterback did nothing. He was mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. And now the Houston Texans are home. But, you know, and, and that game wasn't very, you know, obviously it wasn't very competitive. And, you know, even at, it was at halftime, it was 30 to, it was 13 to nothing. And you're thinking this could be, this could be more if the Chiefs would actually capitalize on some of those turnovers. But here's also the thing. You know, the, the Chiefs started out with that uh, that kickoff return by Davis, and, and from there it was just downhill for them. And, again, you 
throw four interceptions in a football game and a fumble as well. So five turnovers, you're not going to win a lot of times. And again, you might be able to get you might be able to get away with five turnovers in the regular season against a bad football team. But at this stage of the game, five turnovers is going to get you eliminated. You know, four interceptions is going to get you eliminated. And that's what happened Saturday with the Chiefs. But let's go to what we saw Saturday night, the nightcap. You know, the 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 grand finale of of Saturday uh football and it was fun. I mean, that that game was fun. I mean, for most of it, it was physical. You know, you know these two teams hated each other. It was a throwback type football game from the standpoint these two teams hated each other. There was a, it was an actual rivalry. It was a division game. They hate each other, and it showed. I mean, they had you know the little line in, in the, at the beginning with the referees separating the two football teams. These teams hate each other, and it made for a very physical football game. And, and here's also the thing. You know, it was one of those games, even though the Steelers advanced, you know, at this point, you're, you lost a lot. I mean, it was a physical toll in that game. You lose Antonio Brown, who was ruled out for tomorrow's game, uh, who's been ruled out against the uh, Denver Broncos. He's gone. He's not going to be there tomorrow. So you lose that. Also, you know, you lose your quarterback, Big Ben, who came back and uh, was able to put together a, a decent drive, but he we don't know what he's going to become Sunday. If you're the Steelers, you hope he's healthy, but we don't know what he's going to be. But obviously you lose Antonio Brown, you lose Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, you lose, you know, two of the best offensive, talented uh, players in this league. I mean, you, lo- you miss arguably one of the best wide receivers in this game, and, and you miss a top five, at least top ten quarterback and Ben Brothelsberger. So you're missing two big pieces to what you do on the offensive side of football. That offense was big time. That offense was explosive. It's not. And also, D'Angelo Williams will not be in the building. He won't be playing. So you're missing big, big pieces. I mean, you already know you lost Le'Veon Bell. He's been going for a while. But now you lose D'Angelo Williams, he's out. Well, he was already out, but you lost now Antonio Brown, and we don't know what Big Ben's going to be. So it was a physical toll. The Steelers got out of that game, but they didn't get out of that game without any bumps and bruises. You know, they got some bumps and bruises, and we'll see how Big Ben is going to be. We'll see how he plays. Antonio Brown not going to be there, so we'll see who's going to replace him in terms of his production and what he brings to the table. I mean, obviously you got Martavius Bryant, you got Marcus Wheaton, you got some – you got some decent skill position guys. Heath Miller is there as well. But Antonio Brown is Antonio Brown. You're talking about an 1,800-yard receiver. That's big time. He's gone. But, you know, that that's neither here nor there at this point. The Steelers, they move on, they advance, and, and they were very fortunate. And, and here's the thing. You look at the end of that football game, and, and first and foremost, my first thought was Marvin Lewis is probably done at this point. There's no way that Marvin Lewis can come back after what happened on, on that football field, after going 0-7 in the playoffs. That's never been done. After, uh, the you know, the undisciplined uh, plays by, by Burfitt and, 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 and Pac-Man Jones, after just the undisciplined, uh, you got Pecco, Damata Pecco running off the bench and pushing somebody. I mean, just the undisciplined football. You, you got the sense that the, the lack of discipline – 
the undisciplined ways of, of the Cincinnati Bengals would be what gets Marvin Lewis fired. And, and what got lost in this was A.J. McCarron, how he fought and fought. He struggled for three quarters, and then that fourth quarter he came alive, made some plays, got the ball down the field. A.J. Green, you know, a big pass interference play, got them down there close. And then you got A.J. Green with another touchdown that put him up, and you thought at that point, especially after Burford got that interception, Vontez Burford, after he gets the interception, you thought at that point, the Bengals were going to finally move on. You thought finally Marvin Lewis would get a playoff victory. Finally. But then Jeremy Hill runs the ball. Ryan Shazier strips him, scooped up by the Steelers, and there's life. And then even then, you saw Big Ben walk back in. You didn't know that how much how healthy he actually was, and he said he couldn't throw the ball distance, uh, you know, a great distance. They said there there was a play call for for a longer throw, and he said he couldn't make it. So he you know, but he made. He, there were some dump downs they made, but he made the plays, and he got them downfield, and then, you know, then it all got crazy. You know, that pass to Antonio Brown, misses him. Burford, Burford, comes through. Gives him a little shoulder to the head, knocks him out. Penalty comes down, you know, 15 yards at that point. It was 22 seconds at that point. And at that point, obviously you still had no timeouts. I think it was 18 seconds at that point, but you had no timeouts. So you had to figure out what you were going to do. Were you, were you going to bring on the field goal unit at that point with a 50-plus yard field goal? But Pac-Man Jones was arguing with, with Joey Porter and he – May have touched the referee, touched an official. Looked like he touched the referee in that particular situation. Flagged an additional 15 yards. And now you've got a chip shot field goal by Boswell. Pittsburgh wins and they go on. But here's the thing. Here's my problem. Here's my problem now. I don't like when officials determine who wins the football game. And I felt like that's what happened in that particular game. And this is not to absolve Pac-Man Jones and Vontez Burfitt. This is not to, to, to give these guys a pass because at the end of the day, no matter what Joey Porter says, no matter what Joey Porter do, does, you got to be on your best behavior. You got to be, you don't have, just because he's out there don't mean you got to cuss back at him. Just because Joey Porter's cursing <laughs> doesn't mean you have to curse at him too. Doesn't mean you have to go at him. And here's the thing. It's always the guy who doesn't last. The retaliator who gets caught. <clears throat> Not the guy who did it, who started it. It's the retaliator. And here's also the thing. Here's also the thing. It's not, and I've always said this, it's not what the person does to you is what, how you react. And it's your reaction that defines you. The, your reaction will define you. And how you react defines you. Pac-Man Jones reacted recklessly, and it cost the team 15 yards and cost the team a game. Here's the thing. Joey Porter's on the field. You know, I can understand Mike Tomlin being on the field, checking on Antonio Brown. Joey Porter's on the field. He's mouthing off. He's jarring with the Bengals. We already know at this point in time this game is, you know, it's high. It's on edge. You know, we got Munchak and, 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 you know, pushing Nelson and grabbing his dreads. You know, we got a whole bunch of stuff going on. And so I think at that point, if you're the officials, 
you got to be there and, 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 and kind of recognize, like, look, you, you see Joey Porter involving himself in stuff. You got to step up and say, yo, you got to get Joey Porter off that field. And as far as I'm concerned, the way I look at it, okay, you get Pac-Man 15, and maybe you eject him if he touched the referee, for sure. Get him out of there. But I also think you get 15 to Joey Porter. And I think it's offsetting penalties. And again, we're, you know, and we move on. But that 15 yards was the ball game. 35-yard field goal and a 50-yard field goal are two different animals. 35-yard field goal percentage-wise is much easier to make than a 50-yard field goal. So you pretty much gave, well, the Bengals didn't. The Bengals didn't help. They, they did, you know, they did some giving too. But the officials, in my mind, I, I understand why they did it. I just don't like it. I, I don't like it in that situation where you are pretty much at this point determining the outcome of a football game, a playoff football game at that. We're not talking about a regular season game. We're talking about the playoffs. We're talking about finality. We're talking about win and go on, lose and go home. So as far as I'm concerned, I don't like the officials at that point doing what they did. I I don't like the officials um, calling a penalty in that situation. I don't like the officials pretty much just giving the game to the Pittsburgh Steelers in that particular situation. I don't like it. I don't like it. But at the end of the day, Pac-Man Jones put him put his team in position to lose by what he did. And as far as I'm concerned, if Pac-Man Pac-Man could have composed himself, he he could have did a better job of composing himself himself. He could have done a better job of controlling himself. He could have, but he plays on edge. Burfitt plays on edge. Good football players, very good football players, but they play on edge. And, you, you know, and, and sometimes they do some things that you question. And now Burford, he's suspended for three games. I don't really necessarily like that either. Because, I, and Deion Sanders made a great point in, in terms of a defender and putting his head down. You know, and Deion saying he really could have cleaned Antonio Brown up and he could have. But he gave him the shoulder, and the shoulder went right. I mean, at the end of the day, on any day, in any in any game, it's a penalty. But do I think? I don't know. It looked like he had some bad intentions there, maybe. But I think also he could have did a little worse if he wanted to. But there was some bad. There seemed to be some bad intentions there. I don't know. Only Burfitt can answer that question. Only he knows what his intent was. I can't measure his intent. Only he can. He can only he can tell me why he did what he did. But at the end of the day, fifteen yards is fifteen yards. At the end of the day, the Cincinnati Bengals are home, and the Pittsburgh Steelers move on. Again, should have been offsetting penalties, and I wish it would have been offsetting penalties. I, I, I you know, I wanted to see Marvin Lewis get a playoff victory. You know, he, he's been there a bunch of times and just can't get over the hump. And he's had some some bad luck along the way. You know, Carson Palmer and him going down with that, that uh, ACL injury. And, you know, he's had some luck. You know, Andy Dalton, one of the years as a rookie, 
you know, Andy Dalton's had some serious struggles. And then even this year, Andy Dalton not even being there. And Andy Dalton, who's had a big-time year up until this, you know, he's had a big year. And now he wasn't able to play because of his thumb. And, and, and you know, it's got to be a little frustrating for Andy, a little frustrating for the Bengals because this was a Super, Super Bowl-caliber team. And this was a team I said was going to get to the Super Bowl as we got into the, pre- the playoffs. Obviously, I was wrong. I was close. Well, I don't know how close I was, but I, I thought I would live to fight another week. But obviously, that didn't happen. And obviously, you look at this game, and the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they get one. They, they, they steal it at the end, and they move on. But now Pittsburgh, now they're going up to Denver. And, and here's the thing with the Denver Broncos. If the Kansas City Chiefs were going to Denver, I most definitely would pick Denver. I mean, I most definitely would pick Kansas City, I should say. If the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to Denver with a healthy big man, a healthy Antonio Brown, I would most definitely pick the, pick the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because I don't believe in Peyton Manning at this point. I got a lot of questions about Peyton Manning. And, you know, I, that little cameo that he did uh, against the uh, uh, the Chargers at the end of the season, I, I didn't see a lot. And, and I didn't see enough to say, well, wow, whoa, Peyton Manning is back. He, he's, he's ready to put up some big-time numbers. He's ready to do some big things. I didn't see that. I didn't see that at all. And you wonder what Peyton's going to look like tomorrow, on Sunday, I should say. You, I'm, I'm wondering what Peyton Manning will be. I'm wondering. And will it be a situation, hypothetically speaking, Peyton Manning comes out, let's just say he throws a couple picks, little, he's ineffective, Steelers go up, Ten nothing at halftime. Ten nothing. Obviously, ten nothing. You're still in striking distance. It's still a ball game. At that point, if you're Gary Kubiak, do you pull the trigger and go to Osweiler, or, or do you stick with Peyton Manning? And and I think that's going to be an interesting situation. I think if it's seventeen and nothing at the half, and Peyton Manning has struggled, I think you almost have to pull the trigger. I think you almost have to pull the trigger. I think you almost have to go to Brock Osweiler in that particular situation. I, I really do because I, I just don't know how much Peyton has left. I don't know how much a healthy Peyton Manning has left. He struggles. He's He's been bad. It's not like Peyton Manning's been good. He's been bad. And they've been winning in spite of him. You know, it, it, that defense... Carried him to that 6-0 and start. And when Peyton Manning left, he only had nine touchdowns and 17 interceptions. Nine touchdowns and 17 picks when he stepped out. That's not good. That's not good at all. And again, they won in spite of his troubles. They won even though he was an interception machine. They won even though he threw a pick, at least one pick in every game he's played this season. They won even though in all the games he's played this season, he's thrown a pick, but also out of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, out of the nine games he played, he's had two or more interceptions, one, two, three, four, five times. So half the time he was out there, he had... uh, Multiple interception games. 
two or more, and five out of nine. So you look at that, and you're like, how? How much can you trust Peyton Manning? How good can, is, is Peyton Manning really at this point of his career? Obviously a Hall of Famer. We all know that. But 39 is 39. Not 29 is 39. 17 picks is 17 picks. Five out of the nine games you started, you've had more than one pick in, a game, in, in those games. Nine games, at least one interception in each of those nine games. Come on. Come on. So, I don't believe in Peyton Manning. But I don't know how much I believe in a a, a bruised and battered Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know how much I believe in the Pittsburgh Steelers without Antonio Brown. This one, to me, again, it would have been simple if Big Ben was healthy, if Antonio Brown was healthy. But now, those guys not being healthy throws a little bit of a monkey wrench into it all. Bronco defense is big time. And I, I it's not the defense that scares me for the Denver Broncos. It, it's not the defense that I have a problem with when it comes to the Denver Broncos. It's that offense. It, it, it's the running game that which wasn't all that great this season. It's the passing game, which which has not been all that great this season. It's not the defense. And, and so, with all that being said, I'll make my prediction later on. But I, I wish the, the Big Ben and Antonio Brown were playing, then my prediction would be easy. Those guys now make it hard on me. And then we go to Sunday's games. And, you know, Sunday's games, you, you had the, the Blair Walsh. I mean, wow. Wow, 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 wow. And I said going into that game, obviously the cold would be the, would be, uh, the great equalizer. The weather would be a great equalizer, and it was. I mean, last time these two teams played, Seattle beat them 38-7. to It wasn't even a game. And, again, I know that was the regular season. It's the playoffs in a totally different situation. But – you know, I, I thought Seattle was <clears throat> I thought Seattle was the better football team coming into that game. And but I also thought the weather would make it interesting and it and it did. You know, Seattle's offense wasn't what it was throughout the course of this season. Obviously Marshawn Lynch wasn't there, that doesn't help. And and the Vikings to me, the less talented team, was able to stick around, was was able basically should have won this football game. You know, you you got a twenty seven yard field goal more often than not, you're what, 97% of the time that field goal is made? 97, 97% of the time a 27-yard field goal is made. 97% of the time. So with that being said, with that being said, Seahawks basically had a 3% chance of winning at that point. And, and kudos to, to, to Teddy Bridgewater and, and Rudolph, and getting those boys down there, getting those boys in position to get it done. Seattle didn't have their best performance, you know, and the weather was a problem. 
Russell Wilson did not play his better one of his better games. But at the end of the day, and 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 this to me, you know, this this is what teams, very good football teams, do. They find ways to win. And, and Seattle, not playing their best ball, found a way to win. Whether the ball's going thrown over Russell Wilson's head, he finds a way to get it and complete it, and you know whether it's all that. You know, whether all those things, they, they found ways. And so you get that touchdown, that big drive. After you're down 9 nothing, you get that big drive. And that was big. That was a big drive to make it 9-7. Then you force a fumble, you come back, you kick that field goal, and you're up 10-9. And that, that's what championship caliber teams do. That's what winning football teams do. When you're not at your best, you still find ways to get it done. You know, you saw Michael Bennett, Michael Bennett, Pointing to the sky, thanking his uh, thanking his God for for what happened. And, and how about the Minnesota Vikings over the years? How about the Minnesota Vikings over here? You, you you talk about in, in terms of field goal kickers in the playoffs. You're talking about Gary Anderson back in 1998, where he had an opportunity to put the Minnesota Vikings in the Super Bowl, an opportunity to take his team to the Super Bowl, an opportunity to get the Vikings in the Super Bowl against the Atlanta Falcons and a 15-1 football team, Randy Moss, Randall Cunningham, and those high, that high-flying offense. And Gary Anderson was perfect throughout the course of the season, misses a 38-yard field goal, a very makeable 38-yard field goal. I mean, it's, 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 it's got to stink, stink for the Minnesota Vikings to have. It's tough. I mean, obviously, you know, people coming after Blair Walsh and, you know, going after him on Twitter and all that. At the end of the day, it's just a game, and also at the end of the day, you just, you just, you just, you just sick if you're the Vikings. If you're a Vikings fan, you're sick. But at the end of the day, even through your sickness, you have to realize that it's just a football game. Even though you're you're sick, you're upset, you're angry, realize it's just a football game. And reality is, you know. Blair Walsh is a human being, and he's hurt big time. And I know the Viking fan base is hurting big time. And so an opportunity like that to advance in the playoffs, it's so hard to win in the NFL. And when you're the, Steel, when you're the Bengals who had an opportunity to assault it away, and you're the Blair Walsh, you had an opportunity to Minnesota Vikings to assault it away. It, you know, if you're the running back from from the Bengals, you have an opportunity there to, to salt it away, put the game away, and you put the ball on the turf, Jeremy Hill. You can't do that. Blair Walsh, you had an opportunity to put your team up 12-10 to 10 and to move on and advance to the next round of the playoffs, and you miss a 27-yard field goal. You can't do that after your team was able to drive down the field against a big-time Seahawks defense, and, and after your team was able to put, your, put you in position and put everybody else in position to move on and advance. You can't do it, Blair Walsh. Jeremy Hill, you can't do that, man. You can't put the ball in the turf in that particular situation. It's rough for Seahawks advance. And then you go to the nightcap Sunday night, and you look at the Green Bay Packers and the Washington Redskins. You look at Aaron Rodgers, who I said going into the to the playoffs, the Green Bay Packers had a puncher's chance with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback. They had a puncher's chance. And Aaron Rodgers came out and, and was big time against the Washington Redskins. Aaron Rodgers came out and made the plays necessary for the Redskins to move on. I mean, for the, the Packers to move on. The Redskins had, you know, they were up early. 
and it seemed like they had that touchdown with Deshaun Jackson. You know, thought it was a touchdown. Seemed like he loafed a little bit. He slowed up a little bit. You know, I'm not going to say he loafed, but he slowed up a little bit. And, you know, ultimately he didn't score. They had to settle for a field goal instead of being up. What is it? They would have been up uh, <clears throat> They would have been up 9 nothing Instead of being up 9 nothing. they were up 5 nothing because then they got stopped. And even even after that, I mean, you still were up. Eleven nothing at one point in that game, and, and you were seemingly in control. And, and I was like, "Wow, okay." With with their with the the uh, Redskins being up this early, and the way the Packers have limped into these playoffs, I, I thought it was a done deal. To be honest with you, I thought, "Okay, this 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 might get ugly, and it might get ugly fast." The Red the Redskins might be able to put this thing away, and they might you know they might they might really blow this football team out. And then the Packers. They they started to turn it on. And they they started to fix their issues and they they started to fix that. You know they they, they turned that slow start around, and, and then they dominated the rest of the way. You know they, the Aaron Rodgers looked like the Aaron Rodgers that we all know and love. That Packer offense looked like the Packer offense that we all know and love. And ultimately they went up and and, and got the W. But you know the Redskins were up seven nothing, eleven nothing at one point, and you were like the way that offense was moving, Jordan Reed catching passes and. Kirk Cousins spreading the football around. You you thought it would be the Redskins' day, and then the Redskins they you know down seventeen eleven. You know after Green Bay got the lead, the Redskins came back. Kirk Cousins made a TJ a TD run, and then then the Packers came on back and they kind of took over from there. The running game was big in that game. Eddie Lacy was big. James Starks was big, and it hurt the Redskins. You had a hard time stopping the Packer run game, which had struggled throughout the course of the season, but the Packer run game. You know, they stepped up in this game, 141 yards rushing for the whole team. Lacey, 63. Starks, 53. And they were cashing the Redskins there in that second half, cashing them. And, you know, that that ultimately put them up, and that ultimately uh, was one of the differences in the football game. And also Aaron Rodgers, you know, 210 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, moving around, spread the ball around. And then the Packers receivers made some plays. But I thought it was that run game that was huge. You know, the revving up Lacey and Starks, that was huge. And that was one of the differences in this football game. And now that's one of the reasons why the Green Bay Packers are off to play the Arizona Cardinals, who the Arizona Cardinals throttled the Packers in regular season. And I think the time would be a little different. I think it would be a little different this time. I think it would be a little closer. And I'll, you know, I'll give you my pick on it as we go throughout the course of this show. But I think it's going to be a lot closer. And I think it's going to be a much better game than what we saw on that Sunday night, on that Sunday uh, in December. I think it's going to be much different. I think it's going to be much closer. And again, I say to, I've always said the Packers, with Aaron Rodgers on the field, have a puncher's chance. And so they have a puncher's chance, and we'll see if Aaron Rodgers can come out and, and duplicate what he did. You know, I think he's going to play a little. He's going to play better. He's gonna to have. To, I think he's gonna to have to have a monster game. He's gonna to have to have one of those monster Aaron Rodgers type football games that we all know he's capable of. He's gonna to have to have one of those type of games, and he hasn't had it in a while this season. It's been a been a been a, been a little bit since we've seen Aaron Rodgers at his best, you know, thus far this season. You know, it's been it's been a little bit. You know, last time you can say Aaron Rodgers had one of those monster football games. Was you well, you look at? It's been a while, you know. He he hasn't hit 300 since uh, November against the Lions in a game they lost. 
So and you know he so we'll see. I think he's capable of it, and, and I think you know it, obviously they got to protect Aaron Rodgers much better than they did the first time these two teams played. First time these two teams, it was it was just awful. Thirty-eight to eight, awful, throttling, beat down. You know Aaron Rodgers was harassed and beat down and sacked nine times. Obviously, obviously. If you want to win this football game, you got to protect your quarterback much better. Obviously, if you want to win this football game, Aaron Rodgers can't get sacked nine times. That that can't be happening because if if, if it does, you're going home, and if it does, you might get you, there might be a there might be a beatdown just like it, it, no might be if Aaron Rodgers is sacked nine times, it's going to be a beatdown. You're going to get beat down if you got sacked nine times. Bottom line. Bottom line. So you got to avoid. You got. I mean, you got to avoid. You got to protect your quarterback. You got to protect your quarterback. But if your quarterback is going to get sacked nine times against this Arizona Cardinal defense, who gets after quarterbacks, who gets after you know defenses big time. If that happens, Packers are going home. But I think the Packers are going to play a much better football game. I'm not saying they're going to win, but I think they're going to play a much, much better football game. And I think it's going to be fun. I think, I think it's going to be a better game. I think Arizona I think Arizona gets it done. I think Arizona most definitely gets it done. But I think the Packers play a tough game here. I think they play a more competitive football game. But at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, Packers are going home. Cardinals are moving on. And we'll see who they'll be moving on against in the in, in the conference, in the, uh, not the conference, yeah, the conference championship game, in the conference championship game. So we'll see how that happens, how that plays out. But Arizona moves on, Green Bay goes home, and now the Rams, the Rams move from St. Louis to Los Angeles. There is finally a team. In L.A., it's been a while. It's been a long, long time. We thought the Chargers might go. You know, the Chargers still could go. And we'll see what happens there. But the Rams are off. They're off. They're out of St. Louis, and they're off to Los Angeles. St. Louis loses another football team. They had the Cardinals, and they went off to Arizona. And then they had the Rams, and they went off to Los Angeles. I mean, you know, obviously the second largest market in, in, in the United States, so you always want something there. You obviously want a team there. But the thing is, the league has prospered. The league has flourished without having a team in L.A. And how much do these L.A. – is Los Angeles really a football town? It's really a football town. And so that that should be interesting. I mean, obviously – you wonder how good the Rams are going to be, and that should. Well, I think initially you're going to get a lot of people out because it's new. But once that wears, once the newness wears off, you're going to have to be able to be good, and we'll see if the Rams can actually be good. But football's back in L.A. It's not surprising. I mean, this has been speculated throughout the course of the season, but now it's official. The Rams are there. We'll see if the Chargers go. We'll see even if the Raiders go. 
but Los Angeles finally has a football team, and they got their Rams back. They got their Rams back. And so I guess happy times in Los Angeles, but, again, how much? I mean, did the league really suffer without having a team in Los Angeles? No. The league has grown, flourished, and it continues to grow and flourish. But I guess at the end of the day, it doesn't hurt. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Jeremy Carley of the New York Jets. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... I just don't see anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know what? I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. <laughs> we see what you can do. We've seen it. <laughs> I would never bring my wife around you. I yeah, just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's early. <laughs> That's not Roxy. <laughs> That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> okay. Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Pauly G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back, talking sports, having fun doing it. BlogTalkRadio.com slash Pecan Paul Dan here. Go For It. And we're going to bring in a guy now, New York Jets, you know, obviously had a golden opportunity to make the playoffs, win your end type of situation, going up against the Buffalo Bills, Rex Ryan and the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, obviously it did work out for them. They had a tough fourth quarter, a few turnovers in that fourth quarter, and ultimately they were not able to go to the playoffs. But we're going to bring in a guy who was a part of that team, their wide receiver. Let's bring him in now, wide receiver, Jeremy Curley. Jeremy. What's up? How are you, man? I'm doing good, man. Jeremy, obviously it's been a couple weeks since the season has ended. It's been a couple weeks since you guys were were, – you lost to the Buffalo Bills and ultimately you weren't able to make the playoffs. Are you still stunned about what happened against the Buffalo Bills at this point? A little bit, man. We should have beat that team. I think everybody else knows we should have beat that team. But we didn't come out how we were supposed to. So it ended how it ended. Were you surprised that you guys didn't come out the way you guys were supposed to? Because it seemed, it look, you look at Buffalo when it was almost they played like this game was it was almost like their Super Bowl. Yeah, and I think that's what Rick said. said he said something about that um, playing like like that was going to be their Super Bowl. I mean, I think we should we should have expected that a little bit. I know you know Rex Ryan. You know he was in that situation before. It's not his first time he was in that situation. You know, we were in that situation, I think, last year and the year before that. So we always trying to knock somebody out the playoffs. So we should expect them to try to do the same. Let me ask you this. And, you know, obviously you guys wanted to be in the playoffs. 
Obviously, you guys wanted that football game. But looking back on it, is it possible that maybe the Bills wanted that game just a little more? Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I was, was saying to uh, to a lot of people. It seemed like, you know, they kind of wanted us, you know, to beat us more than we wanted to go to the playoffs. You know, I think, uh, you know, it was, it was unfortunate how it ended or whatever. If we could get it back, it'd definitely be a – you know, I think we have a different outcome. We would definitely play a little harder, but I don't think we approached it the right way. I think we thought we was just going to go in there and take it easily, but that wasn't the situation. We're talking to Jets wide receiver Jeremy Curley. And, Jeremy, obviously, you know, you guys improved upon last season. You won 10 games this season, which is an improvement from last year. Obviously, you want to be in the playoffs. But at the end of the day, what, was this a successful season? Would you view this as a successful season? Yeah, man, this is my first, you know, ten win, ten win uh, games in a season. Been in the league for five years, and you know, tell you the truth, man, just having dreams and hopes of going to the playoffs—that's something you know I didn't have in the past. And for us to get what we got, I mean, it felt good. Just a little taste of what we could do and what we could be. Well, next year, man, I, I have no doubt in my mind, man, we're going to the playoffs. How much, I mean, obviously this is all, uh, you know, we're we're just speculating at this point, but how much noise could you guys have made if you actually made the playoffs? We made the playoffs, man, with nobody to stop this, man. That's just my personal opinion. I feel like if we would have went to the playoffs, uh, we would have definitely been a contender. We would have been the main subject, and everybody would have, uh, they would have had to go through us. They would have had to eventually see us. So you felt like you felt like this was a Super Bowl caliber team. This is a Super Bowl caliber team. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Um, okay. You know, it's just the guys. It's everybody's first year. You know, kind of playing together. So uh, you know, everybody's getting used to each other. And this is this is me talking from you know not even having a, a role like I've had in the past. Right. You know, and. Uh, I mean, that, that situation, is it is what it is, but that's the type of confidence I have for this team. Like, I know this is an NFL Super Bowl championship type of team. And, okay. uh, you know, it's just we we got to get a, another offseason together, and I'm pretty sure we'll get some, you know, we'll get some more guys in that's willing to, you know, take us to where we want to go. But uh, we'll get another crack at it next year. And I definitely, I can almost, you know, guarantee that the outcome a little, it'll be better in our favor. Now, now, Jeremy, you know, like you said, this year didn't go the way you wanted it to go personally. You look at over the years, 2012, 96 targets, 2013, 75 targets, 2014, 75 targets, and 2015, only 26 targets. As a whole, was this one of your more frustrating seasons as a pro? Uh, yeah, a little bit, man. Anybody who, you know, is at this level wants to, I should say anybody who plays football wants to be involved, you know, wants to be, uh, wants to be that main guy to some extent. But, um, for me, I just think it it humbled me in a lot of ways that, um, that I I didn't, I didn't think I could be humbled in, you know, just being, you know, uh, being that guy for the last three or four years and having to sit back and, you know, not not necessarily be a coach's style. That's what I'm. I haven't been, you know. I've always been, you know, fit for. You know, I'm, a, I'm perfect for this coach. I'm perfect for that coach. I'm good for this quarterback. I'm good for that quarterback. 
So, you know, Chan Gailey comes in and, you know, and, you know he has his own style. He has his own guys that he wants to, you know, that he's looking for. So for me not to be in that category, you know, it's something that, you know, it, it, I could have went the other way. You know, I could have been the guy that was, you know, raw run and trying to, you know, make hay and all that stuff and trying to cause commotion. But, you know, I took it as, you know, God has a different path for me right now. So I'm going to sit back. I'm going to, you know, see how this goes. I'm going to uplift my teammates. I always want to see us do good. I'm a New York Jet till I die. So it was a humbling experience for me. We're talking to Jets wide receiver Jeremy Curley. Let me ask you this, you know, do you see a role for you in this Jets offense under Chan Gailey moving forward? Uh, yeah, of course I do. Um, okay. You know, I'm going to say it like this. It doesn't matter, you know, the offensive coordinator or the offense. You know, I'm going to say anybody's scheme uh, first and foremost. I'm a ball player, man. It doesn't matter if you ask me to play on the outside, if you ask me to play on the inside, catch this route, catch this route. It doesn't matter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it because I'm a ball player. That's my nature. That's all I know. So, uh, you know, speaking from, from that aspect of it, yeah, you know, I, I fit Chan Gailey's offense. But uh, at the same time, you know, I can't – I can only control what I can control. You know what I'm saying? For sure, for sure. I, I, I want to ask you this. You know, next year – you know your 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 price tag moves up a little bit in terms of your salary. You you're you're going to make three point one million dollars next season, and you know that's a pretty high price tag for a guy. You know for your role. I, right. I, it's still early in the off season. A lot of things can happen. But is it possible that you may have played your final game as a Jet? Uh, I mean it's very possible. You know, like you say, man, it's uh, this is a business. You know, and it's a business that you know. Uh, Everybody's always looking for the cheaper price. So, you know, um, I like to think it wasn't my last time. Um, like I said, I always have a love and respect for this for this organization and this team because, you know, they gave me a shot and they gave me an opportunity. So uh, it'll always be love there. But, you know, if the business takes me elsewhere, man, I mean, it is what it is. If that was my last game of the Jets, you know, it sucks to go out that way. You know, we right. want to go out with a win. But, uh, I mean, like I said, I, mean, I always got love for New York. <laughs> for sure. We're talking to New York Jets wide receiver, Jeremy Curley. And, and, and how much you been paying attention to the playoffs now? Uh, a little bit, man. I watched, uh, I watched a couple games, man, and it's, it's been some, it's been some crazy outcomes, man, for for uh, the first round, no guys to no home team to win. You know, I was different. I was uh, I was shocking. What were your thoughts on that? The way that Bengals uh, Steelers game ended. You ever see the game like that? Yeah, uh, yeah, I've seen I've seen a couple games like that. I just think it's you know it's unfortunate for one team and fortunate for another. You know, sure. uh, I think Cincinnati is a, is a great team. It just always seems like they get the short end of the stick. Every year, you know, and I say that because you know Andy Dalton, that's my dude. So okay. I always want to see him do good and his team do good. But uh, I know Perfect is is a is a tough player, and a lot of people get you know toughness confused with dirtiness. I don't think he's I don't think he's a, a dirty guy. I just think you know he's he's a, he's a he's a tough player. He's a dog. 
So uh, I don't feel like that's just me talking. Everybody might think different, but this is just is my personal opinion. I would want to play, you know, with a guy like that. Uh, I used to think Bart Scott was a guy like that, you know. So and I love playing with him. I mean, you look you look at the hit, and and you know I I I don't play football, but at the end of the day, and you hear Deion Sanders saying, you know, the the hit wasn't as dirty as people may believe. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I don't I don't think it was I don't think it was as dirty as, as people think. I mean, I don't feel like his intentions was to put Antonio out the game. I don't feel like his right. intentions was to take his head off. Um. I think he's seen an opportunity to hit a good, a good player or to hit a player. Period. So he took it. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, and at the end of the day, only Burfitt knows his intentions, and only he knows whether or not he was trying to hurt him or not. But I know Deion Sanders made a great point. He really could have cleaned him up if he wanted to. You know, he kind of, you know, he gave him the shoulder, but he really could have laid him out. Uh, something serious. Exactly. If he really wanted to in that particular situation. Exactly. I want to ask you this. You talk, you, you, you watch some of the playoffs. In terms of the way the Vikings lost, have you ever you, you lost? Have you ever lost in that way? And if you have, what goes through your head when 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 a kicker misses a, a chip shot type field goal? Um, I mean, that's. I know a kicker is, and I I can you know really I kicked in high school, so I try to talk on subjects that I know okay. about. If I don't know nothing about it, I'm not gonna talk about it. So I know a little <laughs> bit about you know kicking or whatever, and uh, it's a tough job, man. It's very uh-huh. tough. It's very very tough, and you know missing kicks it just comes with the it comes with the job description. Everybody's not a hundred percent. Everybody's not you know guaranteed to make this one or make that one. I mean, he made either a 43-yarder or a 47-yarder, and uh, and then he get the 26 yards and game on the line, and he missed it. But uh, I, I think a lot of people, they, they see that, and they're like, oh, he needs to get fired, or he needs to get this, and he needs to get that. Man, that, that was a good kicker. And, you know, sure. it's unfortunate that he'll be remembered for that, but it can never take away, you know, what he – what he did to get his team in the position that they were in. That's what people won't remember. That's true. That is true. He, like you said before, that he did make uh, three field goals and then did have his team up 9 nothing, uh for most of the yeah. you know, late in that football game. We're talking to Jets wide receiver. Nine, Go ahead. You take those nine points away, man, and you're not even talking about a game no more. So. For sure. For sure. Now, as we go into this off season, now for you, what do you do differently? What do you do to to possibly have a bigger role with the New York Jets, if not with the Jets, have a bigger role elsewhere? Uh, I do the same thing I did in 2011, um, 2012, 2013, 14, and 15, and that's keep doing me, man. Keep grinding and keep trying to. You know, chase another another uh, another opportunity to be on somebody's field playing football. That's all I care about at the end of the day, man. Um, anybody who knows me and knows, you know, what I stand for, I stand for, you know, a football player who, who has, you know, an immeasurable heart, you know. So 
whether it's, you know, with New York, and I hope it is, or whoever I'm with, they got to know what type of player they're getting, you know, and uh, which is, you know, a God-fearing soldier. That's what I am. For sure. And, you know, in this uh, in this off season, you're going to be doing – you did some big things during the season. You guys won 10 wins, won 10 games, I should say. And now – in this off season, you're doing some things with your clothing clothing line. We've heard of DKNY, but now we got DYM coming out. What's going on with DYM? Yeah. Um, man, it's uh, it's my uh, my jean brand that you know I'm very passionate behind, man, and it's something that I'm very serious behind. And I hope a lot of people can you know understand it and and, and back me on it. And I hope they like it. You know, I hope they cater to it. I hope they you know, take advantage of it. But, um, you know, it's uh, the DYM, um, it stands for Dexon, Imani, and Malaya, which are my kids' names. So it has a lot of meaning to me. And, uh, you know, clothing, fashion has, has been something that's always been a part of me. It's always been something, you know, that I've been chasing for a long time, just looking good, dressing good. I feel like you feel good when you do that. So uh, to dabble in that department is something that, you know, I'm very serious about. For sure, for sure. And, you know, what, what's next in, in terms of the clothing line? I mean, you, you got the denim line coming out, but what else is going to – what else are you going to come uh, with uh, moving forward in terms of clothes? Man, sky's the limit, man. Like I said, uh, man, Ralph Lauren, he started off with bow ties. And look where he's at now. You know, so, um, you know, in any way I'm not comparing myself to him. But I feel like, you know, everybody has to, has to you know, have a dream and a goal. And, uh, you know, and my goal is you know, to make everybody feel, you know, feel a certain type of way, feel a good way when they put my clothing on. So not just my jeans, but, you know, my JK11, you know, my shirts, my hoodies, my whatever I put out there, you know, it's okay. for people to, you know, look good and feel good. For sure. And, and fans, make sure you check out his website, jeremycurley.com. To find out about some of the great things going on with his DYM line, also hit him up on uh, Twitter at jcurly-11. Also hit him up on Instagram at j underscore curly11. Hit him up on Facebook, uh, Jeremy Curly NFL. Support all the great things going on with Jeremy Curly. Jeremy, a pleasure, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do this again. Anytime, bro. Anytime. Take care. All right, man. I take care. Appreciate it. Jeremy Curley, wide receiver for the New York Jets, and, and obviously it's going to be a tough situation in terms of, of what's going to happen this offseason in terms of what's going to happen with his future with the New York Jets. You know, it should be very interesting to see what they do. You know, his counts, what, three, $3.1 million against the cap. You know, obviously if they, they cut him, They'll save about a million and a half, and you know, with with the role that he has in this offense, you wonder what that's going to look like. But we'll see. I mean, obviously, he's had some decent seasons in the past for the Jets, and hopefully, he wants to stay in New York, and hopefully, that can happen for him. Appreciate Jeremy Curley. I want to talk about what we saw Monday night in college football. What we saw Alabama, Clemson. For all the marbles. And it was a big game. It was a good game. It, it, it lived up to the hype. It lived up to the, to the multiple hour uh, pregame shows. It lived up to it. It lived up to it. 
And, you know, Nick Saban has done it again. That's five. Um, you know, and, and Alabama has done it again. And, and so Alabama, that big-time defense, that big-time run game, and, and I said coming into the game, you want ha, ha, Clemson really hasn't seen a back like Alabama, like they bring to the table. You know, they, they haven't seen a running game like Alabama has. You know, you haven't seen that. They... You know, they haven't seen the front seven that Alabama has. They haven't seen anything like that. But Alabama, Nick Saban, has done it again. Derrick Henry, three touchdowns, the Heisman winner. He was big time. He showed why he was the Heisman Trophy winner, even though McCaffrey should have got it. Those, I, don't, I don't really think, well, it is what it is. But Derrick Henry showed what he is about. He showed what he was about. And, and, and sometimes, a lot of times in these championship games, it's not the big guys who, who are the difference. It's those little guys. It's, it's, it's the other guys. It's the unsung heroes. And, you know, we saw an unsung hero for uh, for. Alabama. This guy, this tight end, O.J. Howard, who throughout the course of the season, you look at O.J. Howard in the regular season, 335 yards. Come postseason, come the bowl season in two games, 267 yards, including 208 yards in the championship game. You know, an unsung hero, a guy that when you came into this game, you didn't think it was going to come down to him making those plays. You didn't think O.J. Howard was going to be the guy who was the difference in this game. You didn't think so. I mean, you look at O.J. Howard in his regular season, really didn't do much, 30 catches, 335 yards, no touchdowns. And then out of nowhere, five catches, 208 yards, two big touchdowns, and he's the difference maker. He was the reason that, um, I can't even talk, that Alabama has moved on. Derrick Henry was Derrick Henry. He was Derrick Henry. Deshaun Watson was Deshaun Watson. And that Clemson offense, put up huge numbers, 550 yards of total offense. That's huge. Alabama had a hard time stopping that Clemson offense. And then so Nick Nick Saban, who arguably at this point could be the greatest college coach of all time, Nick Saban decided that an onside kick was in play, decided an onside kick was the play to make. And he did the onside kick. And the onside kick worked. And if, the onside kick is one of those situations when you do it in that particular spot. If it works, you're a genius. If you don't, you're a dope. And at that point, it worked. So he was a genius. He was a genius. But usually, if he didn't make it, he was a dope. Sean Payton in the Super Bowl, when he had that big onside kick, he made it. He was a genius. 
Bill Belichick this season in the regular season against the Philadelphia Eagles, onside kick didn't work, changed the momentum of a football game. He was a dump. And, and so that's what happened. You make it, you look good. You don't, you're a dummy. You're talking about, and you, this game lived up to the hype of 40-point fourth quarter. 40 points in the fourth quarter. This game lived up to the hype. It lived up to the hype, man. Four titles in seven seasons for Alabama. Four and seven. But Clemson will will be back. Deshaun Watson will be back. And it should be interesting to see how Clemson, and Clemson had an opportunity, first team to go 15-0 there. I thought Clemson was going to get it done. I thought they were going to get it done. But I, I will say this, when Derrick Henry ripped off that run, I was like, wow, this could be a long day for uh, Clemson. But they came back. Deshaun Watson was big time, is big time. He's going to be playing on Sundays. You'll be seeing a lot of Deshaun Watson on Sundays. You'll love Deshaun Watson on Sundays. Somebody's going to get lucky with Deshaun Watson. This boy can play. He can most definitely play. In terms of Nick Saban, now you could talk about him being the greatest of all time. Obviously, an argument could be made. And, and, and I would think somebody other than me could really talk about this in terms of the greatest collegiate coach of all time. It, it's tough. When you talk about all time, is that prisoner in the moment type stuff? You know, guys like Joe Paterno out there, guys like Bear Bryant out there. You know, uh, are we prisoners of the moment when we say Nick Saban is the greatest of all time? Could be, could be not. But obviously he's, a, it's, he's built a powerhouse in Alabama. And obviously, and having a powerhouse in Alabama, maybe he can continue on and soldier on and win some few more titles. If he keeps winning like this, you know, obviously four, I mean five, I mean four and seven, if you're winning four and seven years, you know, you continue on with this this type of winning, they're not going to have a choice but to call you the greatest of all time. I, I don't think there's going to be any other choice but to call you the GOAT. I think you're going to have to call Nick Saban the GOAT if he continues to win like this. No choice but to call him that. You're going to have to call this man the GOAT if he continues to win at this clip. We'll see if he can do it. Very hard to obviously do four and seven. Very hard. But the way this man recruits, the way this man coaches, it's not going to be impossible. Those boys in Alabama get it done. Nick Saban, May not have got it it done on the pro level, but most definitely has got it done on the collegiate level. And most definitely, you could say that this man, he's in the conversation as the greatest collegiate coach of all time. Is he the greatest? Time will be the judge of that. But we'll see, moving forward, where he, he, he lands in terms of the greatest collegiate coach of all time. Second hour go for it starts right now.
and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs, time. In the playoffs, time, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. <laughs> we see what you can do. We've seen it. <laughs> I would never bring my wife around you. I yeah, just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's early. <laughs> That's not Roxy. <laughs> That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- And we're back. Go for it. BlogTalkRadio.com. Talking sports. Having fun doing it. Like we do it this time. And here's the thing. We're, we're working on Aaron. <clears throat> we're working on Aaron O'Connell at this point. So we're, we're looking to get him on in a few minutes. Before we get to him, we, we had a sad, sad, sad story. Lawrence Phillips. You know, unfortunate situation. Lawrence Phillips, a, a, a guy who, you know, had a it, – it was just, you know, it, it just couldn't get right. It was just can't get right when it comes to Lawrence Phillips. Absolutely can't get right. He couldn't get right at any point in his career. You know, he couldn't get right as a player, and, and he couldn't get right, you know, obviously as, you know, his life. He says his life was just a mess. An absolute mess. And unfortunately, it came to an end. Possible suicide in prison. And, you know, you, you, you feel for the guy. You really do because he really, really, really had a tough life. He most definitely had a tough life. And, you know, he really could not figure it out, really could not get it right. And, you know, the reality is because he couldn't get it right, it ended his life. It, it ended his life. It ended his football career. And ultimately, he had to spend time in prison. And that's unfortunate. That's an unfortunate situation. And so unfortunate that ultimately, he went to jail for a period of time. He was in jail for a long time. He was going to die in jail. Paul Gant. Hello and welcome to Go For It. Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... I just don't see anything in the playoffs, time. When the playoffs come, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can 
have married women, we've seen you you, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around to. I just don't know what you're Come capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's early. That's not Roxy. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> and we're back. BlogTalkRadio.com, talking sports, having fun doing it. We're about to bring in a guy now who's done big things on Tyler Perry's hit series, The Haves and The Have-Nots. Let's bring him in now. One of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit series, The Haves and The Have-Nots, actor Aaron O'Connell. Aaron. Hello? Can you hear us? Hello? Can you hear us? Aaron, how are you? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Aaron, your dad played for the Bengals. You kind of are a Bengals fan. Talk about what you saw Saturday night at the end of that football game. Well, here's the thing. I thought, obviously, the penalty on Burfitt was the right penalty, but I thought the Pac-Man Jones penalty, I didn't like that. I thought it should have been an offsetting situation because you had Joey Porter on the field. Joey Porter didn't belong on that field. Joey Porter was on the field, and I thought, okay, I can understand Pac-Man getting a personal foul. I'm okay with that. But I also thought Joey Porter should have got something. I thought it should have been an offsetting penalty, and I thought, because cause here's the thing, you don't want the referees to decide a football game, and I felt like the referees decided a football game. We'll say this, it's definitely not your father's football, for sure. Well, we've been we've been saying always next year for the past few years in terms of the Cincinnati Bengals. So, so we'll <laughs> let me ask you this now, Aaron. I mean, obviously your Bengals are out, but who wins it all? Who who, who do you think gets it done when it's all said and done? Big time. Okay. Patriots. Okay. All right. So 
I had Seattle going uh, going back and, and getting it done this year. Actually, originally, to be honest with you, I had the Colts winning the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year. I thought it was their year. I thought they finally would, you know, finally get over that hump. Boy, was I wrong. But anyway, um, I like Seattle. I, I just like the way they're playing. I like their mojo right now. So I like Seattle. But we'll see. So we'll see. I mean, so you like Brady and them to get it done again. Actually, Aaron, we're 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 having some technical difficulties on right now. Um, so let's do this. Um, <clears throat> we'll go to break. We'll get these difficulties taken care of, and we'll come on back. So stick tight. Hello, and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that the Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean season. anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I was, uh, trying to throw you, you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that, you know, we know that you can have married women. We've seen... You, you, you have a pedigree. <laughs> We see what you can do. We seen it. I would never bring my wife around to. I just don't know what you're Come capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's early. That's not Roxy. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. We're back. Go for it, blogtalkradio.com, talking sports, having fun doing it. We're going to bring Aaron O'Connell in now. We've been having some technical difficulties, but we have him now. We're on. Aaron. Hey, Paul, how you doing? How are you, sir? Sorry about hey, that. Hey, great to be No worries at all. No worries at all. I appreciate you having me on. Let's, let's do this now. Um, we, we were having some difficulties. So before we get to the haves and the have-nots, Let's ask about your Super Bowl prediction. We we have the, the, the Seahawks out there still, Panthers out there still, Broncos, Patriots still out there as well. But at the end of the day, who gets it done? I, I got to say the Patriots. The Patriots have been so consistent throughout the season. They've been uh, 
you know they they've just been they've just been consistent on both sides of the ball. So it's I, I look at these other teams, you know, like the Steelers and the Packers and and the Seahawks and I mean Panthers have had a great season as well. But I just keep going back to the Patriots. I think those guys are you know they they've got a great solid team under Belichick, and I think that. In my opinion, I think they've got the best chance of getting it done. But that's not to take away from these other teams. I mean, they I mean, anyone to be, you know, being these top eight teams, you know, you got to be, you got to be, have have great football teams. Um, but I'd love to see, obviously, Peyton Manning come in and get the job done. I mean, I've always been a fan of his since he played the Indianapolis Colts. So, um, yeah, I've always watched him growing up. So, but I got to say, the Patriots, they they look good, man. They look good, Paul. And you're a Colts fan, and obviously your dad played for the Cincinnati Bengals, and we all saw what happened this week with the Cincinnati Bengals. We saw the craziness, the zaniest, all the, the craziest zaniest <laughs> stuff ever, uh, you know, in terms of a football game. We haven't seen a football game end like that in a long, long time. I don't know if ever. I mean, that was crazy. Your thoughts? Right, right. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what football is about. That's why people tune in to get away from the hustle and bustle of the everyday life and, and watch sports at its, at its finest. Now, i got to say, at the end of the game, everything kind of fell apart for the Bengals. But, um, it, you know, A.J. McCarron's a buddy of mine, and he, he's obviously been so fun to watch ever since the days at Alabama. But to see him get an opportunity and to begin to make plays and at the NFL level amongst the starting defenses is just – it's 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 great, and he had a great game. But to see the penalties be called and to watch things fall apart fall apart in just such a short period of time was, I mean, that was hard to watch. That I gotta say, that was hard for for me to watch. That was hard for my dad to watch. It was hard for everybody that I was watching it with. But it's it's uh, at the end of the game, the best the best team, you know, is gonna is going to really take advantage of of the missteps on the penalties and and. Um, that's that's just the way the game is, uh, but it's it was tough to watch. I got to say, Paul, it was a tough one. And, and let me ask you this, and and you know, obviously, it, like you said, a tough one to watch, uh, a tough yeah. way for it to end. You think Marvin Lewis should have got fired at the end of that game? You know what? He's not out there running the plays. He's not the ones that are getting called for personal fouls. And at the end of the day, the coach is the one that's going to get you know, the brunt of all of the negativity. Yeah, the players screwed up. Well, you, everybody always goes back to the head coach. But one thing that Tony Dungy did so well was had he went out and got guys that that he really felt, he trusted and believed in. I'm not saying that uh, that's not the case with the Bengals. But, you know, at the end of the day, the guys are the, you know, those are the guys that are playing the game. It's not the coach. Coach is calling the plays, and the, and the players are supposed to run them to the best of their ability. But um, I don't know. It's tough to say. You know, I, you know, if it were me running the operation, I wouldn't have fired him. I, I would have okay. maybe made some personnel changes on the field. But you know, it's, it it is what it is. It's kind of the way the NFL is these days. You know. Here's the thing. I, I kind of felt bad from AJ McCarron, your boy, because of yeah. you know he played. A, he had a great fourth quarter. He struggled the first three quarters. Yeah. Seemed to have some issues with the the rain and everything. Had the gloves mm-hmm. on, took the gloves off, so on and so forth. But in that fourth quarter, he made those plays. He made plays down to AJ Green, and, and he he started to look confident. He started to to look like the AJ McCarron we saw in that first half against the Denver Broncos. Yeah, so, I mean, the way it ended for him. You feel bad? Did you feel bad for your boy? You know, I did a little bit. You know, on a personal level, obviously, when it's, you want to see a friend of yours do well. Um, 
But the composure that he had, that he showed as the game went on, that's a great trend to have. I mean, coaches will look at that. Yeah, he's a backup quarterback right now, but he's he's getting the opportunity to play because of Dalton's injury. But that goes a long way. His trend is on, in the upward trend. He's making plays when you're in the heat of battle, and uh, that's a great thing to do for a young, new quarterback that doesn't have a whole lot of experience. But you know, it was, it was hard to watch. But um, I, I, you know, I wanted to see him succeed. And I was impressed by what I saw in that fourth quarter out of AJ McCarron. Yeah. I'm sure AJ McCarron would like to pull Pac-Man Jones's dreads at this point, or <laughs> Fontes Burfield's <laughs> dreads at this point. Yeah. But you don't have to tell me that. You don't have to tell me that. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'm sure they had a little chat afterwards. But Pac-Man Jones, he's got a couple more years in the NFL under his belt than AJ McCarron. So I'm pretty sure that AJ just kept his mouth shut and he's back in. For sure. uh, He's watching film and, and yeah. <laughs> We're talking to one of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit show, The Haves and the Have Nots, actor Aaron O'Connell. Aaron, let me ask you this. Let's go to The Haves and the Have Nots. Two episodes in. It, it's getting crazy. It's been crazy. So many twists and turns, so many ups and downs. Let me ask you this. I mean, I just got into the show a couple years ago with my wife, so I'm in. I'm hooked. <laughs> you got me. Will it get crazier? It gets, it gets crazy. Every time I read these scripts, let me tell you, Paul, every single time I'm, I get my whole stack of scripts, Tyler sends them all out, and I call him afterwards and say, how do you do it? How in the world do you – where do you come up with all this stuff? It gets crazier and crazier. It's a page turner. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys I like to read the script from the front to the back and see what everybody's doing. But i got to say, i got to read these things two and three times because there's so much going on, especially as the seasons have developed and the characters have really matured and developed over the years. I mean, we're, we're into 86 episodes of television, and I'm going back in April to shoot another 20 episodes. And, uh, I, I mean, they just get they're, – they're really – really well done and Tyler does such a great job and each year he listens to the fans and he, he watches the shows with us on TV things that he wants to do differently or better and the same thing with the cast we all are wanting to to do the best that we can possibly do in in the storylines that he writes it's just you know we're we're living the craziness for those few months that we're down there in Atlanta but definitely it, it gets crazier each each week and that's that's really what's so fun to watch you know what's going to happen next you know what I mean? But uh, for sure, love it. Yeah, lo- love the character, and it's a fun one to play. Gotta say. Let me ask you this now: Your character Wyatt. I mean, we see him now. He he snitched out his parents. His parents are in jail right now. And what's going on, with Wyatt? This season? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Wyatt's turned on his parents. He's agreed to testify, resulting in their arrest, and and uh, it's it's kind of. Now he's got the, he's got the house to himself now, so yeah, yeah. Wyatt's always been yeah. He, Wyatt's always been the uh, you know had trouble with substance abuse, and it's become evident with with the freedoms that he's now got um, that we, we are most likely going to see a relapse. And what is at the end of that tunnel is just gonna it's it's going to be shocking. I mean, I'm going to be blown away by watching it and hearing what all the fans have to say and Twitter's going to be going wild. And I remember feeling it thinking, I'd shoot a scene and I'd go, Tyler, this is, you know, this is going to be nuts when this airs, right? Yeah, I know. That's why I'm writing it. That's why I'm writing it. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be those scenes that I got to shoot and we haven't seen them yet. Uh, they haven't aired quite yet, but they are wild and crazy, especially the ones at the house and looking forward to all the fans seeing it. Let me ask you this now. I mean, 
one thing I noticed about Wyatt, every five, well, not every five seconds, but every time his dad says, Wyatt, go to your room. I mean, he's a grown man. What's up with that? <laughs> I know, right? Well, I think the, I think part of it is the fact that his parents aren't giving him any more money, so he, he he's got no place to go but but home, you know. So his, so I feel like he does have that sense of deep down inside, as much as he hates his dad, there is a little flickering ounce of respect. Now, if there was never any respect for for mom or dad. You know, Wyatt. I feel like would he get his own place, do his own thing, but he just doesn't have the uh, the capabilities or anything. He can't. He just physically right. can't. So he's living under their roof, but but they're not living under their roof anymore. So it's just Wyatt. So now he kind of has his own place, and he doesn't have to go to his room. <laughs> and it, for sure, and it seems like he might get his trust fund money too. So you know, yeah, things are see, things are looking up for Wyatt. There we go. <laughs> Doesn't have to work a day in his life, but he's got a nice little bank account, huh? For sure. <laughs> I wish I was Wyatt. <laughs> yeah. Good times there. Well, you know, the good comes Maybe with the bad. Let me tell you. Let me put it Maybe that way. not. <laughs> we're talking to we're talking to one of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit series, The Haves and the Have-Nots. Actor Aaron O'Connell. I, I, I want to ask you this, like Quincy. I mean, th- this guy runs through a house with a car. You know, gets in another car accident where he's thrown out and. You know, so on and so forth gets stabbed like 20 times, and then near the end of the second episode, I see him getting grabbing Candace's legs. Well, will Quincy <laughs> ever die? Will Quincy ever die? I mean, come on, what, what's I going w- on? I, you, oh, man, I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you, but I remember <laughs> watching that scene in our dressing room, and I thought, is, this guy, is he wearing a bulletproof vest? Or how, how, what's happening there? What, how, how can anyone survive that? But... Uh, I love it. I'd love to tell you, but I, I just, you know, I would, why I would no longer be on the show if I was giving away all the all the nitty gritty sure. answers? You know what I mean? Yeah. For sure, for sure. You got you got to eat. You got to eat. You got to make your money. I got to eat. You got to pay the bills, man. I got to pay the bills. I can't. Yeah, I can't stop that. That would be wrong. I mean, you can't tell me that. But let let me let let me let me ask you this. And and you know, obviously, you talk about Tyler Perry and and his ideas and how crazy his ideas are. And I know, you know, I've talked to other guys on the show. You guys kind of move pretty fast in terms of shooting and, and shooting the shows and everything. Talk about the, the hectic schedule that you guys have when it comes to shooting the haves and the have-nots. Yeah, man. So so our shows, I mean, I'm very blessed to have the opportunity to work with somebody like Tyler. because He's, he's really instilled a completely different work ethic in myself, and I'm, I don't want to speak for everybody else in the cast, but – but um, the speed that he moves is is it's like light speed. So we'll shoot 20 episodes between six and eight weeks. And, um, you know, a typical season of television shot in anywhere between six and nine months. So the fact that we move so quick means that we as a cast have to be on it. We have, we have to know our lines. We've got to come to set ready to shoot and ready to give a first take, you know, that can be aired. And um, so when we show up, it's it's go time. I mean, I remember shooting a there's a real intense scene that I had to shoot highly emotional, had to really really be there for the scene. And so I went in and I was thought we were getting ready to do, you know, rehearsal and everything. We did the scene and uh Tyler said cut and <laughs> that was it. You know, he had gotten everything that he wanted out of us in the scene and so it just goes to show that he knows exactly what he what he wants in these characters. He knows what he wants to piece together in various scenes and it's just he's got this this level of skill that that is um, hard to come by, and he can get things done so fast. But 
again, us as actors, we have to be able to deliver on a dime exactly what it is that sure. he wants. Now, going into the fourth season, we know what to expect. We know when I when I land in Atlanta, from the time I'm there to the time I leave, it's work. Now, we're working okay. long hours a day. I might have 30, 40 pages of dialogue. But wow. you know what? That's what we're there for. That's why we are we're lucky enough to be able to play a part in the part in the haves and have nots. So, um, but yeah, that's why you get the big bucks, man. That's why you get all the big bucks. <laughs> yeah, it's very blessed. Lucky it allows me to do a lot of things that I never dreamed of doing. So definitely, uh, definitely, um, you know, fortunate to be able to have the opportunity. Just gotta continue to continue to plug away. How was that jailhouse experience? It it was intense. It it was I gotta say it wasn't. You know, reading the script, I thought, man, this is gonna be it's gonna be a tough one. It's not your typical like, hey, we're just having a conversation at a dinner table. No, this is gonna be intense. It's gonna be, um, you know, quiet on set. And and Tyler really respects that because when you have to really dig deep for emotional scenes. Um, Tyler's aware of that. And so when you've got 100, 200 people standing around and crews and just things rattling, that, that can really become um, distracting. But he's so good at just making that environment on set what it needs to be to, so we can deliver you know, what it is. And I didn't want to see anybody that was going to be coming in for the jail scene. I wanted it all to be natural. So when that first guy walked in there, you know, it was all real. It's like, whoa, who's this? You know, and so they uh, they they really you know the casting department was aware of that, and so I just I wanted to deliver the best performance that I possibly could given the circumstance that Wyatt was in um, at that time, and um, you know that's that's my goal as an actor to deliver what Tyler's thoughts and his, his thoughts are as as a writer to deliver it to all the fans out there, and um, you know it's it's just you know I never never thought that I would be in that position, but. Uh, you know, it, what, what he writes is what we is what we do, and so it's it's like I said, it's just an honor and a blessing to be able to deliver it. The hard stuff, along with all the good stuff as well. We're talking to one of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit show, The Haves and the Have Nots, and you you did, you're doing some big things with this show, and, and you did some big things in the modeling world. What, what's going on with Aaron O'Connell, the model? Yeah. Hey, well, I'm actually at a photo shoot right now as we speak, and so everybody's okay. downstairs having lunch. I said, guys, I gotta, I gotta go upstairs. I gotta talk to Paul. I was looking forward to this when they told me that uh, we were gonna make this happen. Um, but as far as the modeling stuff goes, I've been, um, I've been doing more, more of the acting. I did two movies this year, so early this year, I'm getting, um, I'm, I've been, been kind of lining up some, some stuff as far as the modeling things go in between the the acting gigs. Now the acting okay. gigs do take, do take some longer, you know, longer weeks and months out of, out of my time. So when the modeling gigs do present themselves, it's nice. Cause I get to do, I do love doing it. So I get to be able to take advantage of those opportunities when, uh, when I'm not doing the filming, but um, okay. the traveling and meeting new people is by, by far my, my favorite, my favorite aspect of both the modeling and the acting. But um, sure. the modeling has always been, always been a been a blessing in disguise something i never thought that i would end up doing but it's allowed me to be where i am today so i just got to stay in shape and and uh you know keep keep paying the bills <laughs> for sure and, 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 yeah. and speaking of staying in shape you are in big time shape I, I, I am as a little jealous as i look at your body on twitter there look at some of the, your pictures <laughs> makes me a little jealous i mean if i had the aaron o'connell body body 
I don't think I would own shirts. I mean, I, I think I would just walk around with no <laughs> shirts and, and, you know, maybe right. some white beaters. I don't know, but I, I don't. I wouldn't yeah. own any shirts. But what's the secret, man? I mean, how can I be Aaron O'Connell? You know, it's 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 just getting to the gym and putting in your body what you want to see on the outside. So I just try to I try to eat as healthy as I can from the, from morning to night and and try to get a, some sort of exercise in all throughout the week, whether it's a, whether it's running or doing a cycling class, um, and then of course hitting the weights. I usually do three to four times a week. But um, again, you know, if you if you do if you're working out consistently all throughout the week, you can't really keep up that level of exercise without putting in good foods to sustain the energy and, and the the muscle mass and endurance that you're trying to build. So it all kind of works hand in hand. I just my trick is because I'm a sweets guy, I, I can go eat a cheesecake like there's no tomorrow, so I can't buy it. I just put in my in my refrigerator the stuff that I know will. Um, will okay. will keep me keep me in the best shape that I can. But um I wish there was some trick to it. I wish there was. I'd probably take be the one to take advantage of it first. But um just just exercising, lifting weights and, and getting some cardio in all throughout the week along with eating healthy, that's that's really the secret. Or my my secret I guess. It really is no secret. So you got you got yeah. good genes there. You you know, you pop played in the NFL, so that doesn't yeah. hurt. That doesn't hurt at all. I'm very fortunate in that and that uh in that stance as well, yeah. So you 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 act, you model, and you play a little piano as well. I mean, you're a very versatile guy. Yeah, man, I play piano. I, I just do things that, that interest me. So I, I play piano, I play guitar, I'm a pilot. I own an aircraft that I keep out here in Santa Monica, and I really I fly myself to to uh, my jobs. And um, I just try to incorporate all the things that I love doing with my work so that the work doesn't feel like work. You know what I mean? So um, that's kind of how I how I choose to chose to live live my life and just kind of use that to inspire people to do the things that they love too. Um, because no you know what's life if you're living a life you don't don't love. So you gotta you gotta try to try to somehow keep a great balance, and that's what I try to do. I, I struggle with with it sometimes, but that's kind of how I get my hand in so many different other areas that I that I wouldn't think that that it would be in. But um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of me in a nutshell. <laughs> okay, yeah. all right, all right. So, so fans, you you know, make sure you check this man out each and every Tuesday, Temptation Tuesday on OWN, nine o'clock Eastern right. p.m. nine o'clock p.m. Eastern on OWN. Check this man out, Tyler Perry's hit show, The Haves and The Have Nots. A lot of people are checking it out. Obviously, you guys are doing big big time ratings. People are loving the show. And people are coming back for more. I I come back for more each and every Temptation <laughs> Tuesday, and I will be back this yeah. Temptation Tuesday to check this show out, man. It's big time. You're doing big time things. Tyler Perry's doing big time things, and it's fun to watch. Also, fans, make sure you hit him up on his Twitter page at Aaron O'Connell. Also, hit him up on his website, AaronO'Connell.com. Support all the great things going on with. Aaron O'Connell, and just so we're sure, you like the New England Patriots to win it all. You like a repeat performance out of Brady and Belichick, and you like them to get it done when it's all said and done. Well, I, that's who I think's going to win, but I don't like okay. the Patriots. But that's that's who I that's who I think's going to win. I got I got that. I'm bleeding blue. You know, I got the Colts in. So, all right. you know, I'm, I'm going to have to watch it with one eye open if they're in the Super Bowl. But um, 
Yes, I think it's going to be the Patriots, Paul. I think so. Okay, and I had the Colts going to the Super Bowl and actually winning this year, so, you know, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Oh, well, next year, right? Yeah. That's right, that's right. Before we get out of here, one quick thing. Andrew Luck, you know he struggled this year. You still feel like he is a big-time franchise upper echelon quarterback in the National Football League? I do, I do. I think he's going to come back next year. I think he's got plenty of time to rest, heal up from the lacerated kidney and the torn abdominal. I think he's going to come back strong, healthier than ever before, more knowledgeable, more more wise. Just, I really think that he's learned just as much on the field as he is off the field. So um, I'd love to see. I've got nothing but positive vibes for the Colts this year, or okay. 2016. Right. Nothing but positive vibes, yeah. So we'll see, we'll see. Aaron, it was a pleasure, man. Sorry about those technical difficulties. Love to have you on in the future. Wish you nothing but the best. Thanks a lot, Paul. I appreciate it. Thanks. The pleasure's mine. Thanks for making it happen. All right. Take care. All right. Take care, Paul. Bye-bye. Actor Aaron O'Connell had some technical difficulties. He got that straightened away. Uh, so, you know, make sure you check it out on the pod when, when it's up after the show is over. Also, you can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash begant, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter, at go for it For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. There's so much we missed to talk about. I would love to talk about it, but we've got to get out of here. Have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye.